that's when it came out of a clear blue sky. Oh, the dear good Lord's own sweet breath and his voice like an electric shock. I Welcome to Good Luck America, a politics and news podcast, with your hosts, Adam Todd Brown and Chet Wild. Hey everybody, welcome to Good Luck America, a news and politics podcast. I'm Adam Todd Brown. I am your co-host. Chet Wild. Chet Wild. Chet Wild. Butts on the balcony wall. <laughs> <laughs> we got new bits at the new house. Not a bit, there are butts on the balcony. There, there were. Joe Sixpack showed up and walked them all away, though. Winter went out. Got on the balcony. I ain't no winter from that out on the balcony. Well, what happens, I'm <clears throat> trying to quit smoking right now, so I, haven't, I don't have to worry about it now. But the first couple days I was here, I was still smoking because we were fresh off tour. And I would go out and smoke and let winter come out with me. And any time anyone would walk past, she would bark. And the problem is we're just high enough that you can't see anyone if if you're below the balcony I'm on, you can't see that there's anyone up there. So people were just getting this disembodied bark coming from the heavens right above their head, and it was scaring the shit out of people. It was well after winter proved how much fun it was. Then it was just me <laughs> barking at people. Oh, winter! <laughs> She's a good puppy. How's it been going, Chat? Good. I know we don't do this on this podcast anymore, but I've been watching more television than ever. Of course. And now so that we're now not that we doing I, I, a pop culture podcast, why wouldn't you be watching more television than Jessica Jones season two. Great. Uh, sure. I finished Barry. Right. Uh, yep. Okay. I think I already talked about watching, finishing Lost in Space. Uh, I watched the entire season of The Simpsons. I just started watching the Mauro Ronaldo documentary. I have Showtime now and YouTube Red. And I'm three episodes. I, I watched that entire eerie Pennsylvania murderer thing on Netflix. Yeah. And I'm halfway through that Oregon cult show. All of that stuff's by the uh, the Duplass brothers. Yeah, those two documentaries they're at doing least. Good shit. Yeah, they're killing it these days. Yeah, good for the Duplass brothers. But you're not watching shit. You're just moving. Well, I just now got just watching butts on the balcony. Got our TV back in working order. We lost our remote controls somehow during the move, so I had to buy a universal remote, which I should have just done that a long time ago. But yeah, we're getting settled in. So I haven't been watching much, but there's a second season of The Toys That Made Us. Yeah, I watched the Transformers episode last night. Nice. Pretty good. Does that fireplace work? I believe it does, but I don't know how to operate it. I don't know what... There's probably a remote. ...turns it on or off. a fire button on the Universal Remote? (laughs) Yeah, I need to try and program the Universal Remote to turn the fireplace on. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to brag, but I have a fireplace in my living room. My new place, pretty high ceilings. I have a mantle. Yeah, you got to put something cool on that mantle. I'm going to put a picture of Prince in there. Oh, I have two tour posters of ours left there at the hotel. I brought them back with me, so we could each hang a tour poster at our respective place. Oh, yeah. I don't know why Angie laughed at me when I said that. But <laughs> Will you sign mine and I'll sign yours? Of course. That would be pretty great. I already great. signed yours. <laughs> Anticipation is a housewarming gift. Even better. Oh, we got a lot of politics and news to talk about, America. Hey, that's what we do here. <clears throat> Welcome back. We're back to our regular scheduled time. But Monday. not back to our regular recording schedule, so this will not be as topical. Um, but we have a 
it, it'll be some overarching themes we want to talk about. It'll be kind of topical. We're we're talking a lot about tweets for for one thing, and uh, we're talking about tweets, and we're talking about the problem with just reading a headline but not actually reading the story. Yeah, and that goes for both sides of the political spectrum. That is, it is a universal problem. It's gotten worse. Uh, over the last few years, you would think it'd be getting better because people would smarten up. Nope, that kind of thing is becoming news. Like fake news is becoming news, but nah, it's it's bad on both uh, sides. People, anything that's that people can seemingly blame Trump for, they just pile on. Um, right. I'm not defending Trump by any means, but you still got to do your fucking research, you know? Exactly. So. Let's let's get right into it. I feel like this episode will be a little shorter than last week. Last week's episode was a doozy, yes. and it was a lot of just me talking. You sinking into a couch and me staring at butts on balconies. Butts on balconies. It's my new podcast. The new name of this podcast. Yeah, so what's happened today, the day we're recording? Roseanne tweeted some insensitive bullshit, and ABC fired her ass. They did. Like, how... You have to know, you can't, the monkey thing, like why, how do people not realize how fucking racist that is and how long people have been using that as a fucking racist stereotype? And as a comic of 30 some years experience, how do you not know that you look like blank plus blank had a baby is the hackiest open mic shit you can write. Exa- yeah, exactly. At least get fired for writing something creatively offensive. And I still haven't been able to determine, did this Valerie Jarrett woman do anything? I mean... To upset Roseanne? or did black, she just so that's a problem. See a black woman and decide that... What was it, Planet of the Apes and the Muslim Brotherhood or something had a baby? It's like, I mean, what she the was fuck? tweeting all this other craziness about Chelsea Clinton the last 24 hours and then was proven wrong on that. And she, like, all her craziness towards Chelsea Clinton had a shitload of favorites and retweets. And then she tweets, like, one apology. And then no one really engages in that. So the damage is fucking done. You're, you're more enlightened on what that shit was about than me. The um, Chelsea Clinton stuff? Yeah. No, I'm not. No. I haven't looked. That's the thing. I don't. <clears throat> I don't give a fuck what Roseanne's tweeting. And I then, mean, I care, like, you know, racism is a problem, but I don't fucking follow Roseanne on Twitter. I just kind of woke up to this, and I didn't, I haven't looked into what she tweeted about Chelsea Clinton that much. I mean, it's so hard to keep up. Like, we were prepping for the Venezuela podcast today earlier that we recorded. It's so fucking time. It's a lot to invasive. keep up with. Yeah, so her show's canceled. And the whataboutism of the right is already saying, well, what about Bill Maher? He called Trump an orangutan. Fire him. First off, they've both had their shows canceled from ABC. Right. Like, Maher's already fucking had his thing. But, uh, okay, I'll, I'll let's play devil's Com- advocate here. Is pairing- that a valid point? Comparing no. Comparing Trump no. to an orangutan? Because his skin, he's orange. But it's definitely not the same thing. Like, people... You can't make that comparison without taking the history of oppression that has gone into those kind of statements as they pertain to black people. Like calling Trump an orangutan, that's, you know, you're, you're talking shit about one dude. You're not reinforcing a centuries-long stereotype that has been applied to people 
consistently over the years in a very denigrating and negative way. Well, I think Eli Braden nailed it. He's saying exactly what you're saying. He said, I'm fine with firing Bill Maher for saying Donald Trump looks like a monkey. I just think we should wait until after white people have been enslaved, demeaned as subhuman animals, and systematically denied equal rights for hundreds of years first. Yeah. At the very least, those things have to happen before your outrage can be the same. Like, before that, he's exactly right. That All of that has to happen before those two things can be compared. There's also this belief on the... Uh, and also, Donald Trump's race has nothing to do with him being orange. Yeah, that's spray tanning. Like, it's not like there is an entire race of orange people out there that are all being... They're called Oompa Loompas. ...dehumanized as orangutans. That's one thing about how Trump looks. That's a completely different fucking thing. Well, there, I can't... I have to look more closely at a number of the tweets because I can't even tell anymore, like, what's a conservative Trump supporter and what's a fucking bot. Like, when a person's bio is, like, a blonde girl with a picture of the American flag and her bio is nine hashtags about Trump and she has 500,000 followers and follows two people, like, eh, I've never heard, you don't seem like a real person. There's a lot of those bots out there. Yeah. But a lot of the stuff uh, that I was looking at was people saying, Get the liberals back, you know, hit them where it hurts and get rid of Bill Maher. Like, I don't think you understand that Bill Maher isn't necessarily the uh, face of the liberals. There are a lot of people on the liberal or progressive side that have a lot of issues with him um, in terms of where he stands on religion. And yeah, saying that classified as an Islamophobe by many. You're more saying get the libertarians back. Like Bill Maher is not a liberal. He's a fucking libertarian. He identifies as a liberal, though. Yeah, well, anyone, does he or does he identify as a libertarian? From everything I can gather watching his show, I don't think he's ever said straight up, I'm a libertarian. I mean, he's a pro-Hillary, pro-Democratic Party supporter. He's also critical of the party, but he openly says, like, that's who he voted for. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, like, I don't give a shit. Fire Bill Maher. I don't care about Bill Maher. Well, this kind of gets into some of the... It's not the same thing. People love to have opinions and not research them and the one good point john oliver made last week on the venezuela thing and it wasn't about venezuela but he showed that clip of the uh of the infowars person talking to the bernie supporter do you remember that clip uh-uh. and the point he made like the bernie supporter ended up burning the info world infowars chick but the point he made was it's two it's it's just like america it's two uninformed people going after after each other until one person gets a sick burn and that's what a lot of Facebook and social media and Twitter is like people just sharing things to share them, uh, being uninformed, uh, hopping on a bandwagon that they don't know much about. And just to say, like, I told you so. But then if they lose, they're like, ah, uh, who cares? On to the next thing. Yeah, it's that. And David Wong, who I used to work with at Cracked, tweeted a thing last week where if it's not that it's, oh, here's a video of someone throwing a drink on a conservative. I'm helping. I'm doing my part. Like, no, you're not. You're just tweeting a fucking meme. And then when it comes time to protest, when it comes time to vote, you're probably not even going to fucking vote. But people feel like, oh, well, I piled onto this Twitter thing, so I'm part of the resistance now. No, you're not. You're just, you're part of the fucking noise. Like, you are the rabble. You are the pawns that are being moved around in this shit. You are contributing nothing. And it's frustrating. You're contributing less than nothing. You're anti-contributing. Yeah. 
And it's, yeah, I don't know. With now that said, with tweets sometimes the best sources of uh, there are sources of information out there that are better than the news that are people write thoughtful long threads that are well informed uh who may not otherwise have a voice that gets amplified right like every once in a while the right thing gets retweeted yeah and one of the things we're talking about on this episode is a few recent instances of people just reading headlines and reacting and not really looking into the story itself and one of those examples is the story about how the Department of Health and Human Services lost 1,475 immigrant children. And, and everyone jump on Trump. I'm not defending Trump. But people jump all the fuck over him. Oh, how, Trump, how do you lose 1,400 children? And then Ivanka tweets a picture of her and her kids. And people are like, oh, how insensitive, blah, 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 trolling people. Right. But... But, and you just mentioned that there are sometimes a really good Twitter thread. Like, that. It's that's the thing about Twitter. It, it does still have its moments. and Literally every day, Twitter moments. Come on. Ah, <laughs> come on. 69. Hello. <laughs> ah. We need some comedy on this pod. Yeah, we do. We still have to start writing monologue jokes and doing, or something like that. Yep. But we just haven't had time. We're uh, really busy. You're lucky we're doing this at all. Yeah, fuck you. Damn it. So there was a Twitter thread regarding that story about those missing children. And it was tweeted by at J Duffy Rice. That is Josie Duffy Rice. She is a lawyer. And she talks about how when it says they don't know where these 1500 kids are, it's because that's not really what they do. It's it's like. She makes a good point that it's like the jailer not knowing what happens to the inmates when they leave. Well, that's because the jailer's job is to run the jail. And if there is some apparatus that is meant to monitor inmates after they leave, that's that department's job. You don't necessarily, you really don't want the jail tracking the inmates. Right. And in this case, you don't, what basically what people are calling for is for. Department of Homeland Security or ICE to take over the job of monitoring what happens to kids who enter this country alone or without their parents. Where do they go from there? Which you don't want because they'll have targets on their back. Yeah. And when it's when this story says, oh, 1,500 kids lost, all that means is the Department of Health and Human Services called and they were like, hey, is this kid still with you? And if the person didn't answer, they were like, eh, fuck it. We can't get a hold of them. And that wording is clickbait 101. Yeah. Evoking an emotion. Right. And all it is is them saying, yeah, we followed up, but a few, you know, some of the people didn't answer. And if you're taking in a child from uh, Central America or Mexico, there's probably a good reason why you don't want to answer a phone call from the fucking government. Like, I don't answer phone calls from numbers that I don't recognize. I don't answer phone phone calls from numbers I do recognize. Yeah. And this isn't, they didn't go out and look for these kids. There wasn't some massive concerted effort to locate these children that failed. We're just talking about like a courtesy follow-up phone call 30 days later to say, hey, is everything still going well? Do we, do you need anything? According to my creditors, I've been missing for three years. Yeah, exactly. And she brings up that point. You know, if the company you owe student loan debt to 
calls and you don't answer, are you missing? No. You just didn't answer the phone because someone you don't want to talk to was calling. And we don't, I, I again think she's right in that what this massive outrage over this story and the way people misinterpreted it, it's almost going to be, it almost, this and the next story kind of lends into, yeah, maybe we should let Trump and his administration start deciding how we deal with these issues. Bad idea. Because it's it's basically saying, well, yeah, ICE should monitor kids when they come in the country and see nope. where they go. And no, that's not stupid. That's not at all what you want. Stupid. There is a separate department that handles that part of things. If there is an issue with a child that's placed in a home, there are government organizations that deal with that. And this particular office that people are up in arms over losing kids, it's not their job to track kids. And people, like, even when you hear that, there are people who will go, oh, well, it should be. No, no it shouldn't. Idiot, shut up. You don't want that. You do not want Trump going, yeah, these 1,500 missing kids are a fucking outrage. I'm going to make sure ICE watches every fucking kid who enters this country. By any means necessary. Yeah, that is definitely not the road we want to go down. And this story, it's a good example of a headline that sounds really, really troublesome that's kind of overblown. But it, it does also, there is a legitimate problem now where Jeff Sessions has introduced this new policy where if a family crosses the border illegally, even if they're here seeking asylum, those parents are going to be arrested at the border. And that is going to separate parents from children. And that's what we need to be looking into. We don't need to be making it so ICE follows children when they come to the country. We need to not be separating families at the border if they're just here seeking asylum. But because it turned into 1,500 missing kids, that's what everyone's up in arms about. Adam. Yeah. As somebody that's worked extensively in what may or may not be identified as the clickbait industry. Yes. Uh, there are a number of people whose full-time job it is to just pitch headlines that will promote clickability, promote likability, and promote shareability on social media because Facebook rewards engagement, as do Twitter and other social platforms, but I'm going to focus on Facebook. Right. So if I write a headline, what's what's the headline that people are sharing a shitload here? 1,500 missing kids. Department of Health and Human Services lost track of Okay. 1,500 missing kids. Now, what's a very boring way to say that headline that's more accurate? Well, the thing is... It's not even a news story. It's not even a story because it's not what people are saying it is. It's not missing kids. It's unanswered phone calls. Like, there could be some problems in that group of kids. There could be kids who are in the wrong hands right now who aren't in the best situations, but those are going to be individual cases. It's not indicative of of what's happening with that entire group. So if the headline is phone calls go unanswered, who gives a shit? No one's going to click on it. No one's going to like it. No one's right. going to share it. No one's going to engage in it. Because of that, 
Facebook is not going to let that reach a larger amount of people. It's all about getting as much organic traffic on your content as possible from a business perspective. Sure. Um, and once one person breaks the story and, and people see us getting a lot of clicks, likes, and shares, a hundred other news outlets are basically going to replicate or curate that story. It's basically copying without copying. It's changing it just enough that you can claim it's your own, you know? Yeah. And what you want is a headline that's going to evoke the most emotion possible because if people engage in it right away, people say, oh, fa- Facebook will say, oh, people like this story, so I'm going to show it to more people and more people and more people and then more people will engage and then Facebook will reach out even more people. Right. Um, and it's ass fucking backwards. I remember um, this company I was working at, it was National Coming Out Day and Burger King had the gay whopper. You remember this? Kind of. And it was a whopper that was like rainbow colored or something. And we came up with some type of clickbait title um, that was positive, like Burger King supports LGBT, BLTQ, sandwich, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and and a lot of people shared it. And it had over... LGBT, yeah. It had over 2,500 shares. Yeah. 2,500 people shared it on Facebook. How many people do you think clicked that article total? How many people shared it, did you say? 2,500. I'm going to say about 100. Yeah, it, well, it was a little more than that, but less than a thousand. Yeah. So you, for every person that shares it, let's say a hundred people see it. So two hundred fifty thousand people see it by that math, or is it twenty five thousand? Regardless, it's a shitload of people. Right. But no one's actually clicking it. People are just sharing it to feel good. No one's reading the story. For all they know, they could have clicked that article. It was a big black fucking dick. Why did I use that as an example? <laughs> I don't know, but it would have been funny. Well, because they did have the big black dick whopper. I remember that. Oh uh, yeah, or maybe it was just the black whopper. <laughs> they I did have a, they did have a black no they had a black whopper for one of the Star Wars movies. It had a black. Oh, bun I remember that. And it gave you green shits. Remember that? Anyways, point being, a lot of content gets a shitload of shares, likes, and comments where no one actually clicks the content at all. No one's right. reading the article. They're just the content is packaged deliberately to evoke an emotion, for better or worse. Typically for worse, as people uh, get much more emotionally charged. Right. And it's also a thing, there's an, another story that we I want to bring up, which also relates to immigration. And it was the story that circulated about how the ACLU has these something like 116 documented cases of immigrants who were in the custody of Border Patrol who were like threatened with sexual assault and all of the, like pictures of them in cages and all this crazy shit. And the thing is, that story is true, 100% true. And what I saw was a lot of people sharing it as if it was another example of what conditions are like for immigrants and for people being deported in Trump's America. The problem is all of those cases happened between 2009 and 2014 when Obama was in office. And it still is a story that needs to be shared. If nothing else, people need to uh, come to terms with the fact that, especially as it pertains to immigration, things weren't great before Trump took over. Things were already... Same with Venezuela, which we talked about last week. There's two things... We said Venezuela, like Obama's executive order, was the one thing Trump didn't undo. He also hasn't undone, like maybe he'll undo DACA, which will just deport more people. But he certainly isn't going easier on illegal immigration. 
But Obama deported more people than any other president. So this is a trend that was already starting. And sharing that story and trying to paint it as something like, oh, here's here's the latest crazy thing from Trump, you're really just kind of undoing your own validity. Yeah, you're losing credibility. Right. You're proving that, well, I just share this. I didn't read it. Like, I, I read the headline and the ACLU said. And so, yeah, that's... This is America. Like, this is what Trump's up to. But also, what good does sharing do? I mean, sharing, it's important. Like, if it's, a, if it's an important story, and I think this is a very important story because it's a thing. It's not like that's going to get better under Trump. It's not like, like, we've seen how Border Patrol is acting now just out in public. There was the Montana thing. Did you see that? There was this Border Patrol agent in Montana who basically asked to see these two women's documents or their papers proving they're here legally. And when they were like, why are you asking us for this? He literally says, because you're speaking Spanish in an area where people mostly speak English. What the fuck? Who gives a fuck? Well, so many no, people I don't mean speak gives, Spanish. I, yeah, that's and, what I and mean. And it's like, but... It's not even like it was like a super for... There's got to be a better word than super foreign. A non-prominent language, like such a large percentage of people in the United States speak Spanish. Right. And it's if if they're being that open, because that's that's not that's Nazi shit. Like that's yeah. like I know people hate when that comparison comes up, but stop doing Nazi shit and people will stop making the comparison. But just stopping someone and saying, let me see your papers or you're going to be out of this fucking country just because they're in the country being different than you, that is Nazi shit. And if Border Patrol is that comfortable being that way in public now under Trump, everything they were comfortable doing under Obama is just going to be magnified now. So sharing that story about how Border Patrol was treating people is important. I'm just saying read it first so you don't look like a person who just reads headlines. One thing I did retweet was an old article from Nazi Germany, or during the time of Nazi Germany, about uh, failed to give Nazi salute German football club banned for 12 months. Wow, yeah. Nazi Germany was awful. Forcing athletes to perform patriotism or suffer consequences. Oh, wait. Yeah. Yeah, I, I retweeted that also. And it's, you know, people have brought up the NFL in relation to the Roseanne thing, where it's like, well... How are you, you know, upset with the NFL, but you're fine with ABC canceling Roseanne? And to me, those are vastly different things. For one thing, the NFL, you have to realize they're also part victim there because Trump didn't have to go to the NFL and make the deal out of this that he did. And a lot of presidents would have just respected these players' right to fucking protest in the way they want. It's almost as if this president has a long storied history of trying to get into the NFL and being rejected. Right. Yeah. Look at the USFL. Like he, they basically took the NFL to court and won, but they won $1 in damages because their whole thing was well, the NFL has a monopoly on football. But for the first couple of years, the USFL was playing in the spring and the NFL played in the fall. 
And then the USFL decided, well, we want to compete with the NFL and play at the same time. And it's like, okay, why? This is a real stretch, not to digress too much, but Trump has issues with the XFL. Trump has tried competing with, or has issues with the NFL. He's tried competing with the NFL before. Linda McMahon is in his cabinet, and Vince McMahon, who's accomplished more than you could ever need to fucking accomplish, has started his own separate company recently and is bringing the XFL back. Right. Hmm. Be interesting yeah. to see where Trump sides on that. And and to me, you have to consider that the NFL is also getting some pressure to abide by this, you know, stand during the national anthem. Well, rule. I can't believe how many Americans are like just protest in other ways. Like just don't do it during the national anthem. It's disrespectful to the service. It was a member of the military that gave Kaepernick this goddamn idea. Right, and they're the same people you'll see wearing shirts that say shit about not taking a knee, and then they're sitting on an American flag. Like, that was an image. It was outside, I think, the Jets stadium last year. There was a dude wearing a shirt all about how he always stands during the national anthem, and he's using the flag as a fucking towel to sit on, which, learn about the flag, dude. Like, that's as every bit as disrespectful as fucking kneeling during the national anthem. I mean, there's so many. We've talked about this before. There's so many ways. Uh, if you look at the codes of the flag, so many ways that we're all disrespectful of the flag. You're not supposed right. to have on fucking paper plates and, and shirts and all that shit. It's garbage. Yeah. Here's a compromise for liberals and uh, Trump supporters. Trump supporters, uh, here's the deal. You let people kneel. During the football game. Just be okay with that, all right? Let them protest. However, in turn, we will allow Roseanne to sing the national anthem at every football game. <laughs> all the football games. I don't know if that's a deal I want to take. Remember when that was all the outrage? Oh, yeah. Her just Yeah, botching people the botching the national anthem. Stevie Ray Vaughan did it, too. He tried to play it on guitar and was all hammered. Fucked it up. People booed him. But... Yeah, like the NFL does seem like a different thing to me where it seems like there's pressure coming down from the Trump administration on the NFL that they have to respond to. And then people are losing their shit because I forget which franchise it was. The owner's like, I'll pay the I'll pay the fines penalties. I don't give a shit. Yeah. If, if the team gets fined for. Kneeling. And the thing is, that's important. That's a thing to watch for, because what happens if he starts paying the fines? Is the Trump administration going to be like. No, you can't do that either. That's that's not cool. And the that Nazi Germany article that was shared about the team not giving the salute and being banned, that's the important part. It's not, oh, it's a private company, blah, blah, blah. That is beside the point. It's that this nationalistic shit is creeping into our everyday lives where we have to, if you're not completely beholden and loyal to the U.S. government in every way, if you criticize the government in any way, you're a bad person and you're not American. And that is a dangerous road to go down. It's not Be just it, the American government, it's Trump's government. Right. Well, you could criticize fucking Democrats all day. And right, right. But go after you, you cannot criticize Trump. And I don't care private business, fucking public entity, I don't care... That is a terrifying agenda for a United States president to be pushing. And I know, again, people take issue with the Nazi comparison. It's not, you don't wait until it's millions of people dying to go, oh shit, that guy, 
is like Hitler. The fucking pieces are there. They're going to be there before that shit happens. And that's when you stop it. And going back to the Obama story that people were circulating as if it was a Trump story. The reason that's important, there was another thread that I tweeted from, my God, at (laughs) I-B-J-I-Y-O-N-G-I. BJ. BJ. Like like the half the 69. What? But she tweeted in response to that and pointed out that, you know, we should have been upset about deportations under Obama, but we weren't because our guy was in power. And... What she pointed out is Nazi Germany, and this is all true, Nazi Germany wasn't Nazi Germany before Hitler took power. Like, the Nazis took power, and then Hitler was there, but all of the things the Nazis did were already starting before Hitler took power. Like, there were concentration camps in Africa before Hitler took power. There were... All of the groundwork for Nazism was laid before Hitler took yeah, office. It doesn't happen in a day. And she was making that point about all of these deportations under Obama where, you know, it happened and we just didn't care and we didn't say anything. And now when they happen, you know, you start sharing the story thinking you're criticizing Trump. And what you're really doing is giving that side a little more ammunition to be like, why didn't you care about deportations then? Like, why is it such an issue now? But under Obama, you didn't care. Is it because immigrants were treated better under Obama? Because no. Or this... is it because, just because you hate Trump? Right. That's where people have to be careful. You... <sighs> you absolutely have to be careful because it's like you can't share that story and then find out it was under Obama and start defending Obama. That is you have to be you have to be against it across the board. Not and the it's fucking so move. Hard to do that now because if you give the opposition an inch, they take a mile. Right. It, but the way to fucking avoid that is go. It's yeah. Not, yeah. Is to go. Yeah. It was bad under Obama, and I would like it to stop. And you know, you you have to. You cannot in that situation. Your defense cannot be, oh, Obama didn't know what he was doing, or like, no. Yeah. Obama you knew what he was doing. Standard. And you have to not be that person that goes, well, my side's in power and everything they do is right. That's authoritarian shit. That's what Trump supporters do. That's what Trump supporters do. And what we're finding out is it's what a lot of us on the left did while Obama was in office. Yeah. Obama didn't shut down Guantanamo Bay. He fucking deported more people than anyone. The surveillance shit he put in place when he was president, all of it, we got really fucking complacent, and now all of those things he put in place are in Trump's hands. And that's something we never, ever think about. We talked about mask laws on an episode a while back where it was this thing that happened in the 50s and 60s where all these areas in the South put laws in place that, well, you can't wear masks at a protest. And it was meant to kind of gut KKK protests. But it goes to all sides. And what happens is decades later, you're wearing a mask at a fucking Nazi rally, and they're like, hey, take that mask off. You're breaking the law. And you're like, no, that law was meant for the KKK. In spirit, it was meant for the KKK, but it wasn't written for the KKK. And you have to be vigilant about that shit 
all the time. And I hope, if nothing else, people are getting that message from Trump being in office. Because we let a lot of shit slide under Obama that is now in Trump's hands. The Venezuela issue is in Trump's hands. All the surveillance shit Obama put in place, Trump has it now. Everything that happened with deportations, Trump is magnetizing it and is probably going to make it significantly worse. And I don't know who's going to be our leader next. I don't know if it's going to be someone from the left. If it is, you need to fucking hold that person accountable for what they do when they're in office, whether it's your side or not. Bad is always bad. And you need to fucking address it as such. If you don't, you're just part of the problem. Like if you're one of these people that thinks Obama did it, so how bad can it be? You are absolutely part of the problem. You are not contributing anything. How much of this type of stuff, though, do you think higher ups? I don't don't know if it's people in the one percent or one tenth of one percent or whatever position government like like a lot of this drama and fighting between, I guess, identify liberals and conservatives for uh, in terms of generalization where it's like it's a great distraction because they can go do other shit while everybody's infighting. Well, it's While it's the a, lower middle class is infighting. It's a tactic. It's a tactic that <clears throat> tyrannical regimes have been using forever. That's part of why I want to finish reading that booklet uh, from the Venezuela episode on the... Uh, the Unconventional Warfare Man. Yeah, because I was reading that and it, a lot of it applied to like, oh, a civil war in the United States, basically. Getting right. people on both sides, both Trump supporters and liberals and progressives, to think they have nothing else to lose. So if their side isn't in party, like, let's go to fucking war. Right. And I could see that with the direction the Trump administration is heading. I could see it leading to that. I What I'm afraid is going to happen is at some point, tr- not so much that Trump is going to get kicked out of office and that will incite his base. I think at some point his base is going to feel like he sold them out. And that's what I feel like Trump will still be in office and his base will be the one that turns on him and starts some shit. Well, I think we've talked about that country. a long time ago. The only people that can get Trump out of Trump's office really are Trump supporters. Right. Like you need those people to join the, the liberal side, like liberals. You need that or you also need to provide an option other than Trump, for people who might still be on the fence, which, as crazy as it sounds, there's always going to be people in every election who are going to be on the fence for whatever reason. We've talked about this before. If Bernie ran against Trump, how many people would have voted for Bernie instead of Trump just because, oh, he's the better of the white males? Like, people vote for Trump because white male over woman for whatever reason. Or how many people didn't vote at all because Bernie wasn't one of the candidates? disenfranchised. Which... Thanks. Like fucking idiots. Yeah. Thanks for your protest votes. But yeah, I see Trump's base turning on him at some point because I'm getting tired of saying it, but his immigration plans aren't aimed at who people want to believe they're aimed at. He's not doing this with the ultimate goal of benefiting racist white people. The everything about his immigration policy is geared toward benefiting black males. And when his base catches on to that, I think that's when things are going to get really fucking tense in this country. But on the bright side, they have all the guns. 
and that is not a bright side. I was saying that facetiously. Look, can Kanye get enough black males to vote for Trump to cancel out the white Trump voters that turn on him? Well, Trump said he's going to win 95% of the black vote in 2020, and he didn't say it for nothing, but I've talked about that. I talked about that on yesterday's fucking podcast. So yeah, who knows? Just be more fucking selective in the headlines you share without understanding them first. Because it, if it's not a good way to spread misinformation, it can just kind of undermine your credibility as a person who shares things on the internet. And looking at Roseanne's timeline, she was somebody who's like tweeting, just retweeting so much shit. This goes for anybody, celebrity or not. If you're retweeting more than like, I don't know, five or six things a day, you're probably retweeting too much. Oh, yeah. Because it just becomes noise. Right. Be Like, what's one thing a day you want me to... No, man, that's that's like internet authoritarianism. Uh, but like, you should get one retweet a day. Yeah, I think we did an episode a long time ago about uh, rules or laws we would put in place if we could. And Aaron Covington brought up a really great one. There was a time, Aaron Covington, he's been on the show a couple times. He's a comic in L.A. Shout he, out Aaron Covington. He wrote Creed, uh, the, the Rocky prequel, or co-wrote and the it. Rocky band. Um, what? Who's the Rocky band? Like rock band. What? Creed? Oh, okay. With arms wide open. Okay, I gotcha. You got real upset about the Rocky band. Because <laughs> I didn't know what the fuck you were talking about. He brought up that there was a time in this country when television just shut off like from a certain point at night until a certain point in the morning there's just no television and you just had to fucking go to sleep and be alone with your thoughts or read a book or something that would be great for the internet if the internet just shut down from midnight to 6 a.m in your area and you just had to like chill at night and not fucking there's apps you can get for your phone to block yourself yeah but you can also just take all that shit off your phone i've put those on my computer for facebook and then i end up having to fucking message a comic or something and i'm out of time just remove the app do you remember uh on certain channels they used to play the national anthem at midnight yeah i do remember that i'm old enough for that do you think they do you think they should go back to doing that we should all have to trump's there we should all have to stand Put a camera in every home, and if you're not standing for your midnight national I mean, anthem, we've already voluntarily put cameras in all of our homes. Yeah. We're holding them right now. D- California has digital license plates now. Do you see that? Explain. They're like a fucking digital sign instead of a metal license plate, and they can be tracked. Like, the police can... It's basically just a l- locator... Yeah, I don't like that. ...put on your car, and... California, most liberal state in the nation, is also the the place where every awful thing that has made America a worse place gets test marketed first. Yeah, California. Deinstitutionalization, the crack epidemic, digital license plates that police can track. All of that shit starts in California. Fucking kale smoothies. Good times. Let's change gears and just talk about some general news to end things out. Did you read the story about Trump supporters in Afghanistan getting murdered? I looked at it briefly. I was running out of time. So a guy changed his name to Donald Trump. Well, no. What happened is at one point... I read it in a headline, so it has to be true. Trump criticized Pakistan 
for harboring terrorists and for uh, contributing, being a sponsor of terrorism, basically. And that was controversial because Pakistan is our ally, but also Pakistan is where Bin Laden was living for most of the time. So Watching his Britney Spears tapes. Exactly. How much of an ally are they? And people in Afghanistan particularly take issue with Pakistan for harboring the Taliban and for giving the Taliban a safe place to kind of regroup and train. Because the thing about Pakistan, they will fight terrorism if it's terrorism that's affecting them or if it's terrorism that we ask them to fight. But if there's terrorism happening that's not really impacting them in some way, they kind of turn a blind eye to it. And Turn the other cheek. Trump criticized them for that, and people in Afghanistan appreciated it, to the point that one dude changed his kid's name to Donald Trump. Because that's the thing. Think about you're living in Afghanistan all of these years, and Pakistan is right there making your terrorism problems worse. And finally... One U.S. politician is like, hey, Pakistan, stop that. You're going to be like, thank you. Thank you for saying something. And that's what happened with Trump. So this guy who had changed his kid's name to Donald Trump because he was so happy with this gesture is now fleeing Afghanistan for India because the Taliban is killing Afghani Trump supporters. And the the person they killed helped mint a gold coin thanking Donald Trump for speaking out against Pakistan. They like crowdfunded 600 some dollars to buy the gold necessary to mint a coin to give to Donald Trump. And the Taliban murdered them for it. And this guy who had changed his kid's name to Donald Trump was like, I guess I got to get out out of Afghanistan now. Well, I'm sure he's going to get out pretty easily. Now that he's being covered by the media. <laughs> well, the the crazy thing is, even them, by the end of that article, they, they're like, we kind of regret making that coin. Trump's still a monster. He just uh, did that one good thing it's when like it comes to Pakistan. With Obama, if you, if you want to say Obama's a good president, I'll just stand back objectively and, and not put my own uh, sense in that. But if you want to say Obama's a good president, good people can good people can do bad things. Right. If you want to say Trump's a bad president, bad people can do good things. And yeah. with black and white thinking on all sides of the political spectrum, that's hard for people to walk in. Like, there are things that Trump could do that we could support, but it's a slippery slope to openly be like, I agree with that because people can't separate I agree with one decision or one aspect or one vote from I fully endorse everything this candidate stands for. I think a good example of that is the national 5G network. If Obama introduced that, no one on the left would care. The left would hear, oh, free internet for everyone nationwide? Mm-hmm. Great. We'll take it. But with Trump introducing the idea, it's like, ooh, yeah. a Trump network? And it's like, if Obama had done it, it would be the Trump network now. Yeah. So, And it's it's a thing, no matter who introduces it and makes it happen, it's a thing this country needs. Like, we need significant investment in our telecommunications infrastructure if we're countries are kicking our ass yeah countries south korea china japan all of these countries are fucking murdering us and you know people you bring up places like estonia which has just amazing 
amazing internet speeds. And people are like, yeah, but they don't have as much land to cover. Well, we don't technically either. The problem is we won't let individual states set up their own internet networks without letting these national companies have a slice of it too. And if Trump got on that train, that is one thing I would absolutely support. If Trump went really hard for letting communities and states and local areas set up their own really fast internet networks independent of Verizon and Comcast and whoever else, you'd be dumb to not support that, no matter who's in office. You'd be crazy not to support that. But it doesn't mean Trump's a good president, and it doesn't mean I want him to be reelected. It doesn't mean I wouldn't be psyched if he got impeached. It just means no matter who says it, I agree we need some investment in our fucking telecommunications infrastructure. Doesn't make me a racist, but that's how things get painted these days, where if you just agree with a anything, yeah. well, now you're you're completely this. And it, it cannot work that Trump way. Trump does the same with his party. If people agree with him 99% of the time, but like call him out on one thing, he's like, well, you must be the fucking opposition. Right, right. And it's... You know, it, it's it's a good way to divide people, and it's working really well in this country. Hypothetical. World War Three happens. Yes. What do you think the triggering event is? It could be so many things. We did, we did a podcast about it a while back. Venezuela could be a thing that triggers it. Russia launching an invasion in the Balkan states could trigger it. China and India could trigger it. Like, people discount how poorly China and India get along. And they have been... two giant populations. Giant populations that have been fighting over this bullshit strip of mountaintop land for decades. And it got really tense in 2017. It almost, you know, became a thing then. And it's this thing that just keeps fucking rising to the surface. But... In terms of the United States doing something that would start World War III, I would assume it would be something in Asia. Do you see a World War III scenario where it's like the United States, Russia, and Turkey, and I don't know whoever else, against like what are traditionally our allies? No, no. Okay. Because I, I think the alliances Russia is trying to build right now point more towards it would be countries we used to consider our allies fighting against us. That's why I was so up in arms about pulling out of the Iranian nuclear deal, which we ended up doing, because that's us kind of separating from the rest of the world in a way that kind of makes the rest of the world a little less safe. And even Macron, who is just like Trump but not racist, basically, in France, even he was like, you know, if you do that, it might be war. And he wasn't, he didn't specify, he didn't say, you know, if you do that, you might go to war with Iran. He just said, it might be war. And if a war were to break out over the Iranian nuclear deal, under what circumstances would England and France and all these countries that are still in the deal, why would they fight with us? If we were the ones who caused this by pulling out, in what scenario would France and England then come join our side to defend our position? At best, they would just stay out of it 
and let us fight Iran. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. We're, we're, we're then in one way, shape, or form at war with our former allies. Yeah, yeah, I could, I could absolutely see that. And I think the Iranian nuclear deal is one of the more likely things that could kick something like that off. But also, the way things are playing out in Asia, and especially in North Korea, like the summit... I, I don't trust Trump to not botch that in a way that doesn't turn into disaster. Irreversible damage. Like if it, if it even happens. If he goes off the fucking script. Yeah. And or just gets us in an alliance that China doesn't want us to be in. Like there's like China is building up their nuclear arsenal now. They're building bases <clears throat> in places they've never had. Like China is not the type of country that builds military bases in other areas but they're doing that now they're building up their defenses in the south china sea like they're gearing up for some shit and we have so many balls in the air right now uh more than in your mouth even because <laughs> 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 i said Burn. you had balls in your mouth ah <laughs> oh, man in the middle of a politics podcast, <laughs> you don't get that. From, you don't get that from the Daily Winter Show. Winter thinks she gets couch privileges for that joke. <laughs> but we have so much going on right now, and so much of it could go wrong. Like there's there's any number of places where World War Three could just jump off. So yeah, we should wrap it up. I just I I that that's my my question about the Afghani Trump supporters though is why is he not making that a story? You'd think he would point to that as a thing that says, see, I'm gaining support everywhere. My supporters are being attacked. Like Your Trump I sounds w- more like Obama than Trump. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what it is about this story that makes Trump not really want to take any ownership of it. What could it be about these particular Trump supporters that makes him not want to come to their aid? These answers and more on next week's Butts and Balconies podcast. <laughs> and also, one last thing, Puerto Rico is still a disaster. I feel like we could end every podcast by reminding people of that. That's how Michelle Wolf, for as much shit as she caught for her White House correspondence dinner, she ended her... Th- or no, she said people in Flint still don't have water. But she also pointed out, uh, I believe, that Cuba's, well, right Puerto now, Rico's a fucking disaster. Not Cuba. Two, Cuba has great hurricane recovery. Two stories came out about Puerto Rico <clears throat> this week. One, for the longest time, the official death toll had been like 65. Yeah, it was like 12, then like, then like 32, and then Trump got there, and he's like 64, and then they kept pr- like bragging about how low the, that the death toll was. Right, and I think they were just counting like immediate deaths. Like, like the hurricane came through and a fucking palm tree And like 64 idiots stood outside taking selfies and died. Yeah. Turns out the number's closer to 4,000. Yeah, that's more people than 9-11. Yeah, that is a... If you believe that sort of thing. That 9-11 happened? I don't, yeah. Uh, That is a a tragedy. That is a massive tragedy. And we're just now getting the official death toll. But also, the U.S. Army Corps is leaving. Well, it's six days to hurricane season. Exactly. About two days by the time this comes out. They're... Something like 14,000 people in Puerto Rico still don't have electricity, which that's, you know, 95% of the population does. And that's great. That's 14,000 people, but it, it could be more than that. That identifies users or, or service people. So that could represent a family. Oh, yeah. 14, 000, so it could be yeah, much higher than that. Yeah. 14,000 households. Yes. 
don't have electricity, which is a huge problem. And now the U.S. Army Corps is leaving and they're turning over the rest of the job of rebuilding the infrastructure to Puerto Rico. And Puerto Rico doesn't have the fucking money for that, for one thing. And also, it's almost hurricane season again. So all it's going to take, like we just saw it in fucking Maryland where this Those flash floods were insane. Yeah, in a community that was just recovering from floods that happened a few years ago. Like they were this close, and then here comes another flood, and everything's reset. That could be Puerto Rico, and this really isn't the time to leave. Like, if anything, we should be staying, and whatever we've rebuilt. Is there a way to fortify it against hurricanes in the future? And that death toll is going to keep climbing because people are still without power. People are still without essential services. Right. Um, There are still people with medical issues that are suffering. Old people that need care or air conditioning or whatever else. And they're just fucking. Yeah. And just just a reminder, those are Americans. Those are American citizens. Americans. That's why we're talking about it on the Good Luck America podcast. Trump did throw them one paper towel, so. That That's, should clean up the next hurricane. Yeah, yeah. That was... What a fucking crazy image that was. Just tossing out rolls of paper towels. Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So, that's this week's episode. Next week... Next week, we'll... We're going to talk about We'll shoes. incorporate some comedy into this fucking <laughs> podcast. This podcast was supposed to be funnier than the last one. Uh, well, we haven't... We we're still working on a weird schedule with a weird recording setup so we're still we're basically we're basically running the disaster area version of the unpops network right now where we're (laughs) just trying to get essential goods out to the people so if we go to detroit these are the pods you'll be getting on the regs (laughs) basically yeah so that's our episode for this week any plugs adam I don't know. We're doing a live podcast at the end of the month at the Hollywood Hotel, but I don't know what show it is. I think we're doing a live What in the World Nice. where we're going to talk about doing comedy in other countries. I've done comedy in other countries. Oh, you should be on that episode. Have me on. We'll have you on. Sweet. And we're going to have a bunch of comics from other countries. I'm a comic from another country. Buffalo. Yep. Yeah. Might as well be Canada. <laughs> Uh, I think that is going to be the next live podcast. Me and Quincy Johnson doing a live "What in the World" at Are the we Hollywood going to Hotel do an Unpop's Fourth of July party again. We can. We have to do it at your place. TBD. We'll Maybe we week. will. Yeah, we should have started planning that a while ago. Yeah, we got but. time. <laughs> All right, uh, and also subscribe to the rest of our podcast on Patreon.com/slash/Unpops. And give us good ratings and reviews for this podcast. And hey, if you're listening on Patreon, maybe go throw us a subscribe on iTunes anyway. If there's one thing you want to share on your social media, it should be this fucking podcast. It should. The fuck's wrong with you? Why haven't you shared this already? Yeah. Uh, Share a podcast. If you don't share this, you don't love America. Share a podcast about politics from someone who wasn't wrong about Trump. That's me. (laughs) That is a bold yet true statement. What's bold about it? I wasn't wrong about Trump. At the time, it was a bold prediction. Yeah. I didn't go well, on. people don't I didn't know go on, how much money you had lying on Trump at the uh, the Vegas. Oh, uh, I, I bet like 500000 on that. Yeah, yeah. So I had a stake in, in, it. in swaying public opinion. So you can God, I wish that was Burbank. true. That's you can live in the Burbank suite with the butts <laughs> and the balconies. <laughs> I wish that was true. But it is true. I wasn't wrong about Trump. So uh, 
maybe this is a good politics podcast to listen to. I never went on Colbert and laughed at the idea of Trump winning. I really hope you're wrong about the next election, though. Yeah, me too. But we'll see. Until then, you have 100% cred and people should be sharing this pod. Goddamn right. Chet, do you have anything to plug before we get out of here? Just your butt. What? (laughs) 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 Burr. On a politics podcast. Nailed it. Nailed it. (laughs) Angie, I nailed it. Got him right in the butt. <laughs> right right the in butt. the plugged ya. Plugged ya with a punchline. Woo! All right, we should get the fuck out of here. Chat. I have nowhere to go. I so don't have a meeting. You until literally. 9:30. It's only eight twenty-seven. You literally have a meeting. You have nine thirty. All right. I thought this would go longer. <laughs> We've been. This is also over an hour. Well, we haven't potted in a while, and now that I've spent multiple long, 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 long car rides with you. Being with you an hour feels like only five minutes. Like that nine-hour drive from uh, Dyersville to Minneapolis didn't feel long at all. That's because we... Wait, it, that was That the, was not the nine-hour drive. Dyersville to Wichita. It's because we laughed furiously at every sign every that had the number 69 <laughs> on it. And that was uh, a good way to we, pass the time. When I said 69 from the stage to you at the Kansas City show, and like four people got it, and the rest <laughs> were like, why isn't he telling jokes? And I'm like, but you don't understand how funny this number is. Yeah, it like, was pretty great. The two people are having sex in the mouths. <laughs> the, the, the thing. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. my God. I don't want to be the number one podcast on iTunes. I just want to be number 69. Get us up there, people. Get us Not to 69. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave us good ratings and reviews. All right. Let's get the fuck out of here. Chat. Say goodbye. <clears throat> I've barely explored this apartment space. It's getting dark. They don't have lights out at the pool. What's going on with it? Oh, yeah, they do. They got- goodbye, everybody. We love you. <laughs>